Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. Since 2000, Trupanion has been innovating in the pet insurance industry. They are the only provider with the technology to pay our veterinarian directly at the time of checkout. That means no more paying up front, no more paper claims, and no more waiting for reimbursement at participating veterinarians. If you're a breeder, you can also send your litters home with a special coverage offer through their breeder support program. Trupanion is trusted by over 500,000 pets and their owners, including me. I really can't stress enough how valuable it's been to know all my puppies are covered in the event of an unexpected accident or illness. To learn more and sign up for coverage or the Breeder Support Program, just follow the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I have with me here my dear friend, Gail Watkins, founder of Avidog and currently the director of education at Good Dog. And we are going to be talking about nutrition for our breeding animals. And we're specifically talking about bitches today. But Gail, if you have anything to offer on our stud dogs, I am looking for it. And we've talked to Dr. Marty Greer, and we've talked to a lot of people over time about how do we feed our breeding pregnant lactating bitches. So we've talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to bring Gail in because she brings a perspective on raw and a few other things that I just don't have the experience with. So welcome, Gail. I'm super, super excited to have you here. Laura, thank you for bringing me back to Pure Dog Talk. It's been some of my favorite conversations over the last several years. I enjoy talking to you so much. So let's talk about some of the things that we need to do for our bitches in terms of straight up nutrition. I'm not even talking like macronutrients. I'm talking about straight up, what do we need to feed our bitches? What can you offer us in terms of the perspective of feeding raw? Because it's very different. So share with us. Yeah, it's so important for us to think about nutrition. And I think the first thing, if I can be a little naysayer, we don't have a lot of really good research on optimizing nutrition for breeding animals, either stud dogs or bitches. And we have a lot of myths and we have a lot of guidance that just says do this. When in reality, if you look at the research, the dog food companies are constantly updating what they are telling us to feed our bitches and changing the foods. And so we think about it that there may be some research ongoing now that we don't have the results of that will change even more what we feed. Interesting input. I hadn't actually thought about that, but valid. Yeah. So I'll give you my basics. And yes, I feed raw, but these basics apply to kibble, canned, dehydrated, fresh, raw, whatever you feed. Right. If you are in the U.S., you need to feed an AFCO all life stages or growth and reproduction diet to your breeding dogs. 
And ideally, that is also for stud dogs, but we don't have that much information on that. But definitely your bitches, as they prepare to breed while they're being bred during pregnancy and during lactation. An adult maintenance food is inadequate for reproduction. It is not designed for reproduction. So we have raw foods that are AFCO all life stages foods. We have dehydrated foods that are AFCO all life stages food. That's our standard across the board. My concern with raw feeding is always when people just sort of throw some food at their dogs and call it, I'm feeding my dog raw. That scares me to death. And so can you talk about AFCO and exactly what that entails in terms of the standards and why that's important? Absolutely. And I have to tell you, when I hear people are gathering raw foods and tossing to their dog, it makes my heart stop. Because the long-term impact on the bitch and the puppies can be massive. You know, adult dogs are pretty easy to feed. A non-breeding adult dog, if you manage its food over a month, it's going to be okay. Dogs are scavengers. I mean, think about the stuff they eat. Right. But breeding animals, not so much. And we are asking those bitches to do so much. They not only have to create puppies, they have to create placenta. They have to maintain their own body while that's happening. And they have to maintain their brain, you know, because obviously weak and ill bitches are not going to be good mothers. So I think we have an obligation to not do homemade foods with our breeding bitches. So what's AFCO? The American Association of Animal Feed Control Officers It's a really interesting organization, not a government organization. It pulls in academia. It does pull in the dog food companies. It pulls in vet nutritionists. But they are the best we have in taking the research, especially from the National Research Association, and compiling it into a dog food. It is definitely influenced by the dog food companies, but by and large, their standards are the best we have and some of the best in the world. Now, One note is that AFCO certifications are nutritional adequacy. They are not optimal nutrition. All they are doing is saying that this animal can survive eating these foods. So the AFCO has basically three standards. They have a growth and reproduction standard. Most of those we know as puppy foods. And they lean heavily towards growth, not the reproduction. There are very, very few reproduction foods out there. Far more, AFCO covers all species. There's far more for dairy cattle and horses, but not much in the dog world. There is adult maintenance, which is what the vast majority of dogs are going to eat once they're adults. And most of them can actually eat it from about six months on. And that's what they're going to live on. There's no senior There's no performance standard. There's no weight loss standards. None of those exist. Those are just dog food company decisions. But the third standard is all life stages. And all life stages is a standard that covers every dog from puppyhood, from weaning through its senior years. And the reason that I like that standard for our bitches is that it covers growth, it covers reproduction, we can wean our puppies directly on it, we can feed our bitches it before she's bred, 
while she's pregnant, while she's lactating, those foods are designed specifically for them. And so for me, I'm a big fan. If we can find those foods that are also certified by AFCO through feeding trials, right. the all life stages feeding trial covers bitches prior to being bred, pregnancy, and it covers their puppies for 10 weeks. So it's a big feeding trial, right? And so that food has been tested, if you think about it, as much as it could mm-hmm. possibly be tested. I know you are sort of loath to do this sort of thing, but can you name names? Can you give us brands? What is your knowledge and research on this particular topic that you can say, hey, I know this particular line of this particular brand of has had these trials? Yeah, so... The one that comes to mind that is always touted is Purina 3020. Mm-hmm. So it's Purina, ProPlan Sport, 3020, comes in a couple of protein sources. Salmon and chicken. Salmon and chicken. Right. Purina does a good job with their trials. And that food for me, because it is 30% animal protein and 20% mostly animal fat, really meets those reproductive criteria. Now I don't feed it to say. So I feed a raw food called K9 craving. It is K, the number nine, K-R-A-V-I-N-G. Okay. It is an East Coast food. And the thing about raw foods I usually recommend to people is find a regional food that meets all of these criteria is 29% or more animal-based protein, 18% or more fat, AFCO all-life stages may not have been trial-tested, but at least meets the nutrient standards. And above all, we haven't talked about it yet, but that calcium-phosphorus ratio, it's one of the benefits. It's one of the reasons I feed Canine Craving is they have a very good calcium-phosphorus ratio. Purina 3020 has a very good calcium-phosphorus Farmina ancestral grains, the same. So that's a kibble. Now, not all of them meet the standards. Their puppy meets the standards. So those are three that I'm just going to toss out. And the reason that I'm reluctant to give you a lot of names is that these formulas change regularly. Right. So I love Sport Dog, Victor. Those are great foods, but they change their standards and what's in the food often. Actually, all dog food companies do. Mm-hmm. And so if I tell you and your listeners, feed this food today, right. in six months, it may- It could be different. And right. I know that's really frustrating for breeders, but I tried for a while to publish a list and I had somebody working full-time on it. And I'm like, I oh can't pay somebody to do that. There's just no way. Okay. So talk about the calcium phosphorus ratio. What are we looking for and where are we finding it? So you look on the bag and it will be on the bag or you can call the company, but if it's all life stages, it is almost always on the bag. You look for the percent of calcium. So let's say the percent of calcium is 1.1. And then you look for the percent of phosphorus and percent of phosphorus will be on there. And let's say the percent of phosphorus is one. So we have 1.1 calcium, we have one of phosphorus. We're going to have to do a little math here. 
<laughs> we're going to divide the calcium by the phosphorus and we get a calcium phosphorus ratio of 1.1. So 1.1 calcium divided by one phosphorus equals 1.1. Our goal for our breeding dogs is one to one between the two of them. But it's really fine to go a little over that, up to 1.3 in calcium to one in phosphorus. Closer to one to one is better, but it's still within the standards, still within all of the research, 1.1 to one, 1.2 to one, 1.3 to one are fine. Okay. If you start getting in the 1.4 or even two to one range, which some all life stages foods have. And that's two calcium to one phosphorus. Yes. And now what begins to happen, particularly during pregnancy, is that the bitch's parathyroid system, which manages the calcium in the body, begins to lessen the calcium that it's releasing from the bones. And so when lactation hits, That's when we get eclampsia. Mm. So that's why we tell people, don't add yogurt to your dog's food. Don't give raw meaty bones. It's huge for me that raw feeders do not feed raw meaty bones during pregnancy. Because you throw, say, a chicken neck at your bitch, you don't know the calcium phosphorus ratio. You can try and find it, but neck A and neck B are going to have different ratios. Mm-hmm. and so. Most reproductive vets strongly recommend not feeding raw to pregnant bitches. And I believe that a lot of that is because so many raw feeders feed raw meaty bones, end up with eclampsia, end up with problems with their bitches because they're not controlling that calcium phosphorus ratio. They're getting the protein. They're absolutely getting the fat. They may not be getting the carbohydrates that the bitch does need during pregnancy and lactation, but their calcium phosphorus ratio is a mess. And so if we are going to protect our bitches, I know philosophically there are people that only will feed raw and hate the thought of kibble. Fine. But you owe it to your bitch to feed an all-life stages AFCO certified food. Otherwise you're risking her life. And as you know, eclampsia is a medical emergency. It's horrible. Yeah. Okay. So as breeders pick their food, they need to focus on the amount of protein for reproduction. It needs to be 29% or higher. Most foods are looking at 30. The raw foods are maybe 40, 50, 60. There's no too high protein level, but there is too low. 18% fat is critical, 18% or higher. 20% of the calories need to come from carbohydrates. And that's often missing in raw foods. Mm. Not many bitches will eat 20% of their calories in kale each day. They're just not doing it. Oatmeal. Oatmeal. (laughs) So I always recommend oatmeal. Yeah. Oatmeal's my favorite. Oatmeal's great. My special concoction for my bitches to get them to eat is boil the liver for liver water and then turn the heat off and soak the oatmeal. So it's not actually cooked. Soak the oatmeal in the liver water. Oh, baby, they loved it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, and that's a good point. It has to be cooked or soaked oatmeal. Don't be giving them the dry stuff. (laughs) It'll probably come out the same way it goes in. Won't hurt them, but they're not going to get much. Not going to get anything out of it. This is all very important stuff and very important, I think, for people who are looking at breeding their bitches on a raw food diet. 
Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Hey, crew. Are you looking for the gold standard in canine DNA testing for your breed? Join the winning team at Embark and manage your dog's health, optimize your breeding program, and improve your litter's bloodlines. As the highest rated dog DNA test on the market, they have a lot in common with Westminster's most legendary champions. Plus, they know your breed like the back of their paw. Select ideal breeding pairs to support healthy pedigrees and lifelong care. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to help manage their breeding program from improving genetic health and diversity to screening for disease mutations, understanding traits, and more. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive canine DNA test, visit EmbarkVet.com and use code PUREDOGDOG to enjoy $20 off each kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGDOG. The world-class scientists and veterinary geneticists are standing by. So now I have a question for you about the raising of the puppies. And maybe we're going to do some myth busting. Maybe you're going to teach me a little something here. Let's do it. From my history, I am always concerned about the protein level when I'm growing young dogs, when I see them growing too fast. Okay, so this is something I actually will rarely feed a puppy puppy food. I will often feed an adult all life stages food to my puppies. So I do not grow them too fast. I have experienced in my breeding life bone growth disorders, HOD, and some of the other things. So can we speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I agree with you. I haven't fed a puppy food since 1987 to any puppy. Right. And I only feed all life stages foods to my puppies. I wean them onto that. Absolutely, we can lower the protein level in our puppies. And I think that's important to know by breed. Yes. So there are breeds with a tendency towards HOD. Great right? things. You can tell me hypertrophy, <laughs> dystrophy, is that right? Hypertrophic osteodystrophy. I tell you, I was one of, to my knowledge now today, maybe three litters of wire hair pointers ever to experience this. In Weimaraners, they consider it an autoimmune disease. In Great Danes, they consider it just sort of life. Um, <laughs> it's part of being a Great Dane. Right. In my instance, all of the dogs went on to live full and happy lives, but it was devastating to come out and see my 10-week-old puppy that had been running around, jumping, doing all the stuff, couldn't get up to pee screaming in pain, I know, the pain overnight. Is... It was, so anyway, um, I've done a lot of research on this topic <laughs> as a result. And so that's something I think people just need to be aware of that the higher the protein isn't always. Totally agree. Okay. Just wanted to put that into the ether. Yep. Let's talk about the food we wean a puppy onto and the food we raise a puppy on. And I think that those are different things. So as we are weaning puppies, that is going to be four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. We need to be thinking that is hyper growth in a puppy at the very beginning. But also we have the huge issue of weaning diarrhea. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking for that food that 
supports their body during this really fascinating process when you think about it. I mean, there's a lot going on in their bodies. So I think that we can risk higher levels of protein very early in weaning, four weeks, five weeks, and then we taper off. So we make that transition. And my recommendation is usually transition them directly onto their mother's food and then change it. Because if you haven't had the chance to deal with weaning diarrhea, you have just missed such a fun (laughs) time. (laughs) And so if you can get them transitioned, that usually takes a week. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a long time. And then if you have veins, if you have a line that has HOD, if you have Weimaraners, then you can certainly bring them down in protein at that point. And so that's usually going to go down to say 22%, something like yeah, that. 22 to 26 is usually. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that the new AFCO standard large breed puppies is a good Thing. I actually think it's beneficial that a lot of the problems we were having were coming from trying to meet the needs of Chihuahuas and Great Danes with the same food. It's not the same. I mean, it's just not the same. No. And you look at every dog breed has this exponential growth, but the Chihuahuas takes place from eight weeks to 12 weeks. <laughs> and the Great Danes takes place from five weeks until maybe 10 months. And so how we maintain that body during that crazy growth is critical and it's going to be different. So the large breed standard has brought down, however, in HOD and a lot of joint issues, much of it actually is the calcium phosphorus ratio as well. And we need to be looking at that. That's what I really wanted to ask about actually, because I'm thinking of it, okay, it's protein. That's what I had heard. This is why I'm saying, is this myth busting? Or is this something where we need to pay better attention to the calcium phosphorus ratio? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, the calcium phosphorus ratio. And so the new standard has dropped, has limited the calcium phosphorus ratio that we can feed to large breed puppies. And I think it was a great move. Now, we don't have to feed that till 18 months, like the bag says. No. (laughs) Because they're not still in that exponential growth at 18 months. Otherwise, we would have giraffes. But if you are particularly concerned, keep that calcium phosphorus ratio. So in many Danes, it's 0.8 to 1. So we drop the calcium actually below the phosphorus. One to one is a great calcium phosphorus ratio for large and giant breed puppies as well. For the little guys, I don't think it matters. Certainly not as much. Exactly. Their growth is not the same demand on the body. Okay. That is super helpful. Now, we haven't touched on supplements. We've only just done food. Do you want to hit supplements? Oh, absolutely. They're one of my favorite topics. I knew they were. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't recommend a lot unless you feed raw. This is why I'm bringing you because you know about the feed raw part. I don't know about the feed raw part. (laughs) So across the board, I think everybody needs to be looking at omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil. You can get it as well from algae. DHA, is that what you're thinking? Yes, DHA Mm -hmm. and EPA. Those two, so they did the research showing that puppies whose mother had omega-3 supplements during pregnancy and lactation Mm -hmm. were more 
trainable, right. had better neural development. Carmen Metalia did a great presentation. I've got a podcast on that with him that talked about that. And that was actually, again, one of those things that opened my eyes to that. He really hammered it home. And so the only time I fed puppy food is specifically for that DHA because Purina did add it to a bunch of their puppy formulas. They did. The challenge with those omega-3 fatty acids is that they oxidate very quickly oh, interesting. in response okay. to air, heat, and light. So in my opinion, you're actually going to be better off adding that. That's one of the supplements. So you get something like grizzly salmon oil or grizzly's omega-3 oils. They don't sell large bottles anymore, and they do that so that it maintains its freshness. Because rancid oil, <laughs> whether bad. it's in a dog food or it's in the bottle, is a bad thing, and it's not going to gain you. So that is one that I recommend adding because so many of our dog foods, if you think about it, they get manufactured, they get stored, they get transported, they sit, we buy them by the large quantity and they sit in the house. And so light, oxygen, Mm. heat Mm. are really key. So that's one, highly recommend that. And that's an example of Prior to that study, there weren't any omega-3s in our reproductive food. Now we do the study and we realize that it's really important. And so I think finding a way to either stay up with the research or make sure you're adding the things we know about Mm -hmm. is really critical. Hence why podcasts like Pure Dog Talker is is great. This is what we're trying to share. So absolutely. So DHA for sure. Yep. And what else? Folic acid. Yes. For yep. The folic acid requirement, AFCO standard is quite low because an adult dog doesn't need a lot of folic acid. It's only during pregnancy that it is really important. And so there is no recently tested standard for folic acid in pregnant bitches. And if you're not familiar, folic acid helps us avoid cleft palates and other centerline defects. Midline, yeah, yep. midline defects, yep. right? But there are genetic tendencies. So say in tollers where nutrition is only going to help us so much avoid cleft palates, but it's a very easy supplement to get and to add. Mm-hmm. And because all pregnant women are encouraged to take it, the quality of our folic acid Human supplements are very good. And so you can go to the drugstore, the grocery store, get 400 or 800 micrograms of folic acid and toss it in your bitch's food. Is there a real limit, top or bottom, how much we want to supplement? People are going to want to know, what's my dosage? We don't know, sadly. So all of the recent research primarily focused on the little guys, brachycephalic breeds, chihuahuas really small, high cleft palate rates, they were given five milligrams, not micrograms, milligrams. That's what I've heard Marty say as well. Yep. Found it was very effective in reducing cleft palate rates. So what should you give? A lot of it's going to depend upon your breed. If you have a small brachiocephalic breed, say French bulldogs, I'd be given one to five milligrams a day. If I had a breed that had a genetic tendency, there's some lab lines, Labrador lines that have it in tollers, I'd probably be at the 800 micrograms to one milligram. 
for breeds that have very rare cases of cleft palates, I'd give 400 to 800 micrograms. I give 800 micrograms a day. If your bitch gets nauseous, that's the only really known side effect to it. They're already prone to nausea during that whole thing. So let's not add to it. Break it into smaller doses during the day. So don't just give it all at once. You can get the 400s and give them a couple times a day. Got it. Okay. Excellent. Next. Probiotics. Yes. So probiotics, there's a Canadian study that showed that the dog foods that listed probiotics on their labels had no living bacteria in them. And that study has not been replicated to show that it was changed (laughs) wrong or that things have changed. So this is another one similar to DHA. If you think about it, we're putting bacteria, good bacteria, but we're putting bacteria in there. And then they get stored, they get transported, they get put in our garages. Mm -hmm. And the little guys just don't make it out alive. And so they are an inexpensive addition to our breeding dogs' food. Do we know right now what the ideal bacteria or bacterial mix is in for our dogs? We don't. But there's a lot of research on it. Canine Health Foundation is doing a bunch of research on that, that brain axis that I think is fascinating. I think once we sort of resolve what the right species are, you know, animal biome, I don't know if you've talked to them, they are trying to find what the right patterns are. I'm not sure they're there yet. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure, you know, everybody should go out and pay for their test, (laughs) but they're working on finding, you know, which bacteria should we be supplementing, which are the right ones and for which issues. So I use a product called Genoflora, which is a really stable bacteria that forms spores. And because it forms spores, it's resilient to heat. I don't have to remember to put it back in the refrigerator. And it doesn't come in the annoying little envelopes. I love Fortiflora. I think it's a great product, but oh, those envelopes. I know, just... but you know what? I'm sorry. I love Fortiflora. Don't be bad. I do too. Fortiflora. <laughs> no, I use Fortiflora it. Fortiflora has saved a lot of puppies for me. I just fed it this morning. No, I am a fan. And the reason they have to have the envelopes is because of the response to air, light, right. heat, etc. Shelf-stable. So it's much more stable. Yes. Exactly. I'm a great believer in not using human probiotics from the health food store because we have different bacteria. Mm-hmm. We cannot go eat horse poop and survive, and they can. So they have different bacteria. So you're going to be better off going with either a cross species product, like, say, Genoflora, or a canine specific tested product that has independent lab results showing that there actually are living bacteria in the product. Consumerlab.com, mm-hmm. great organization, costs like 45 bucks a year to be a member. And they go in and evaluate supplements. That's all they do. They're the consumer reports for supplements. That's kind of cool. And they're all membership, no ads. You know, it's very similar to consumer reports. And they're doing more and more pet products. And every year, if you're a member, you get to say what you would like. So I got them this year. I'm like, do more dog products. Please. But they're the ones, they've gone in and looked and said, you know, this, let's just say, saw palmetto Mm. has no saw palmetto in it. It's bran. 
and they list it. You can get a report that says this one met the standard, this right. one exceeded. Okay. And it's a great place. Interesting. Okay. So are there any special supplements that you're going to use with specifically raw feeding versus just gibble? So I think because of the simplicity of raw foods that doing a daily vitamin mineral supplement is important. And I actually recommend, there's one supplement I've used for 20 years now made by a wonderful vet nutritionist. And I was turned on to it by the late David Kronfeld, who was a groundbreaking vet nutritionist. Mm -hmm. So it's a product called AVN Canine Pro Balance. There's a new version of it called Dr. Bill's Performance Plus or something like that. We can put a link in the show notes. We'll put a link. So very, very well balanced, nothing too much, but can bring a simple diet to a more complex state. One of the reasons I recommend it to everybody, even if you feed kibble, you are not going to over supplement your dogs. That's not going to happen. There's nothing in it that's going to take them over a vitamin A or a vitamin E standard, but it offers all essential amino acids. Mm. So we know that each protein has a specific amino acid array in it, and that some of those amino acids are known as limiting amino acids like lysine. So it doesn't matter how much methionine you put in there. If you don't have enough lysine, the dog's body will not be able to use the methionine or any of the other amino acids. So ensuring that there's enough lysine, methionine is actually another limiting amino acid. Those are the two main ones. Offering enough of all of the amino acids to your dog, particularly if your dog eats a single protein source. So let's go back to ProPlan. Right. ProPlan chicken. Yep. That's the only amino acid they're getting. And if you go on the bag, you'll see that they've had to add other amino acids because chicken is not mm-hmm. complete enough. Mm-hmm. So ProBalance offers amino acids, minerals, and vitamins. And I've had amazing luck with it over the 20 years that I've used it. And I really trust Dr. Bill. Excellent. Okay. Well, that feels like we covered most of it. Did we miss anything? No, I think we're good. Excellent. The only thing we could come back and talk about at a later date is maybe how much to feed our pregnant and lactating. Oh my gosh. We're going to do a whole one on that. And, you know, the other thing I think that I wanted to maybe in a series of Gail and Laura talk about these things. (laughs) I'm in. I'm down. (laughs) How much? And let's really look at some of those eclampsia, some of those, I refer to them, my life in dog breeding as Auntie Laura's medical miracles, because if there's some God awful thing that can happen, it's happened to me. (laughs) Let's kind of think about that too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that would be a great conversation to have. I like it. All right, Gail. Well, thank you, my dear. It is wonderful as always to chat with you. All right, crew, like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you. To make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. One of my favorite events over the last year or so has been the virtual After Dark for patrons of the podcast. 
Anybody can join this amazing community of dog enthusiasts by visiting the website and clicking the Become a Patron link on the homepage. While you're there zooming around on the site, you can check out our shopping tab too. There's even a Pure Dog Talk swag link. Who knew? Share the love with all our cool gear. Check it all out at www.puredogtalk.com. Your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.